before dawn, milk cows work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, man, we have a lot of things going on in the world today. Um, You know, it's hard to even know where to start sometimes. But, um, you know, for example, you have two and a half billion dollars going to Africa right now. Um, And it's to subsidize their food because they're starving in Africa. Hmm. Now, you know, if I give you two and a half billion dollars, maybe you'll find it in your hearts to give my son a contract uh, that can allow him to do more mining in that region. Uh, There's that element, right? And the two really aren't even connected. One's for food. But hey, you know, isn't that what the government's doing? Isn't that what the, the they're basically saying? We're going to take a burn up all your fertilizers plants, all the fertilizer plants. We're going to confiscate your land in the Netherlands, right? So in the Netherlands, they're going to take peat farmers' land and <clears throat> ration it because the farmers are fertilizing too much, and that's not good for climate. But the climate we know is a hoax, just like. They said, wear a mask, and we knew that the mask didn't work. And they said, take this vaccine, and we, we, we now know that the vaccine didn't work. And now we're finding out that Pfizer and uh, Bill Gates and, and Fauci knew that this uh, vaccine causes blood clots and that it was ineffective. But what they were trying to do is get you all into a place where you could take this vaccine and the vaccine was going to be converted into a social credit score system because they were going to, and they already have developed a vaccine proofing uh, system where the government, you have an app on your phone and the app on your phone, like they're doing in China with the green, the, the QR code that turns green or red, electronically allowing you to go places and do things 
if you're compliant with the government. It's a way for governments to control every aspect of your life. And they don't even need to hire a person. They have all these, you're required to have a phone. And they might even say, one of the perks is we'll give you a phone. We'll give you uh, free phone services. We'll give them to you. We'll just give it to you. And then all of a sudden, you're hooked on that phone. And isn't that what uh, the Obama phone was all about? See, that was the precursor to it. We didn't see it like that at the time. And they're exploiting the most impoverished of our society. And I've said all along, you know, the top 20%, they're the elite. They are part of the globalist network. They're in charge of your life. And they're going to use that internal data to prosper by using information to exploit marketing ideas and corral people when you can manage people and move them around the globe, which is what they're doing. They're starving them to death in Africa. And then you're finding that these African people are driving our Ubers and Lyfts here in Washington, D.C. or around the United States. The, the biggest problem is what's happening is we're starving people out of their own country, opening the border of our country, and the people are leaving because they're starving. But why are they starving? Because of corrupt leadership, that would be number one. Number two, selling themselves to the devil. The globalists, the globalists like, like what George Maloney said, she was whining. She was actually very much heated complaining, I should say, not whining and complaining. She was complaining in public that France was giving the Congo CFA uh, dollars, which are, you know, francs. They were basically colonial francs. And these colonial francs were worthless because they were just printing them up off a of printing press. And the exchange that they would get, I'm going to give you a, a gazillion colonial francs and you're going to allow me to take my mining groups down that you can't afford and you don't know how to do and you're going to let me mine in the Congo for gold and for precious metals like for, for plane manufacturing and for lithium batteries and cobalt. And all of that precious stuff. And it's not just the Congo. It's it's other nations within the continent, you know, within the uh, continent of Africa. So, so basically, in Africa, there's lots of different countries. And we just gave $2.5 billion to keep them fed rather than give them fertilizer plants and oh that's the problem we have these fertilizer plants that are burning up they're being set on fire arsonists green energy arsonists maybe i have no idea who's setting these fertilizer plants on fire 
but it seems to be very systematic. And now the issue has come up about fertilizer in Africa, and they're like, well, we could, you know, give them a fish or we could teach them how to fish and they could eat for the rest of their lives. That old thing, right? But the problem is, is that that would require fertilizer, which goes against our green initiatives. Like, when did Africa become like the, you know, so dirty? I mean, people go to Africa for safari and they could see the stars when you, they're living, they come from New York where they can't see the stars. And nobody's even talking about China when they talk about these things. But I keep hearing these stories out of the Netherlands. Well, number one, there's two issues coming out of the Netherlands and Sweden. One is that the rape cases in Sweden and the crime and the murders in Sweden has gone up by like thousands of percent because of this migration that's going. People are going into Sweden and there are all these people from the Middle East going into Sweden and basically bringing the crime with them. Once again, moving populations around. Did we learn our lesson from Sykes and Pico after the Ottoman Empire collapsed where we divvied up land based on natural resources rather than whether or not different tribal sects get along. And we saw how well that worked out, that the globalists and the people in charge didn't have a clue as to how to create a harmonious Middle East. And they've been fighting for the last hundreds of years. Yes. They've made this mistake before. Just like we've seen... um, the mistakes that they're making with the FBI. You know, uh, going going back to Woodrow Wilson, using the FBI to police people and silence people. We've seen it with Hitler's Gestapo police. So all these different issues are going on and it's become a global mess and we have these open borders. They're being flooded. We have Title 42 that's going to expire Wednesday. And and we're like a magnet because people are coming to our country to, to feed themselves. They're coming to our country for jobs. And the corporations that are financing the politicians that are voting for these open borders are hiring these people at slave labor wages, probably off the books. And it's a wink and a nod. Oh, jaywalking. It's going to be allowed to go on. And so the people that are changing your pillows and changing the sheets and vacuuming the hotel room and the people that are working in the laundry departments, washing the linens for the hospitality companies across the country, and the people running the dishwashers and mopping the floors and doing the custodial work in the offices, and the people driving the Ubers and Lyfts, and the people working the meatpacking plants and the agricultural fields, who's going to pick Nancy Pelosi's grapes off of her vineyard vines? And it's going to be all of these people for all of these reasons. And the impact on the economy is going to be absolutely great. But what's that going to do to Americans? 
because everybody knows that the way you build an infrastructure is from the bottom up in one sense, in that you have a foundation of workers that enter the workforce and they climb their way up the ladder. But people now are getting these college degrees that don't teach them how to change a pipe or weld or do any of these things. They have no skill sets. You know, uh, literature studies from, you know, is not going to get it done. Humanitarian studies are not going to get it done. Learning how the mind works in a squirrel is not going to get it done. It's not going to be very productive. Learn a trade, but, you know, there are a lot of lawyers. <laughs> you need more doctors, but that's a pretty hard curriculum. You have to work hard to be a doctor. And so, you know, it's just everybody wants a shortcut. And nobody wants to dig a ditch. Nobody wants to climb that ladder. Nobody. But, you know, I, I, I made this assessment during the Trump years. And one of the things I, I saw was I went to a Dunkin' Donuts. And I was like, wow, the Dunkin' Donuts staff have really gone downhill. This place was really poorly run, dirty. And I said, well, that's because all the good Dunkin' Donuts people migrated up and they're working at the Apple store, Apple store, and they're now a genius. <laughs> One of those geniuses over at the Apple store. And I, I did notice that uh, there seemed to be this like shift where the person that used to be flipping burgers is now working at Apple, and the person working at Apple is now working in an office. They they all got to step up because the jobs were a plenty. You know, the job market was beautiful. The economy was a booming under the Trump administration. Labor participation rate was at an all time high. Black unemployment was at an all time low. Um, you can go across the board. We've all heard those numbers a thousand times. But everything was really good. And then COVID hit, that, that bioweapon that we're learning about. We're still learning because nobody wants to tell the honest truth in Washington anymore. Nobody's out for your best interest. It used to be that a long time ago, they would get to the bottom of it and then they would. They would literally find out who done it. Now they can't figure out where it counts, where it's important. They can never figure out who done it. They never figure this stuff out. The Las Vegas shooter? Nah. You know, the Pulse nightclub? Not really. They don't really know what's behind all that stuff. And they want to send peace workers out or psychologists to get into the heads of these violent criminals. So again, th these stories... In one sense, they're all connected. You know, the Twitter thing, we're going to get into talking about that today. It turns out that Elon Musk sent out a poll, and the poll came back. 57% of the people don't want him. And 43% uh, of the people wanted him. So he said, I'm going to abide by this result. Now, you can't tell me he didn't know that the result of that poll right? We know that he knew. He's not the dumbest guy in the room. He's the smartest guy in the room. 
And apparently he was at the soccer uh, championship where Argentina beat France. And he was at that event. I guess that's in Qatar in the Middle East. And he's taking a video of it and he tweeted that out. So while he's celebrating and playing around with the soccer in in the Middle East, he's also tweeting out a poll that's going to be the end of his career at Twitter. The guy who just spent $44 billion on this project. Whatever kind of project it is, I have no idea yet. I, I haven't got my, gotten a handle on that, but once again... Trump was probably the smartest guy in the room in not biting off of that apple and going back and appeasing Elon Musk, putting Elon Musk in charge, making Elon Musk the alpha male in that relationship. No, Trump didn't bite because Trump's the alpha male. Ah, that's what's interesting. But then Elon Musk came out over the weekend. He said, if you promote anything to Facebook or Truth Social or three other social media sites, you'll be banned. You can no longer promote your other accounts. So like if I'm on Twitter and I say, hey, check me out on Facebook, I get banned for that. Now, of course, if you're doxing somebody and telling somebody where, you know, telling the world where someone lives, you'll get banned for that too. I don't disagree with that. But to promote, you know, your other social media sites, it's kind of uh, interesting. That's like a little bit different. And I think that the poll that he put out, Elon Musk put out over the weekend I think that that poll was was a was a uh, a feeler. Like it was designed to basically uh, track bots, which is something he's trying to get a handle on. And I believe that the reason why he lost isn't because it's fifty seven forty three in favor of um, censorship or Democrats. I think it was because. Uh, he, he made it very clear, like, this will result in me leaving. If you want me to leave. So <clears throat> that got the Democrats off, you know. That was a basically a pretty clever, smart move. Because that got the Democrat machine to activate. Because they were figuring, well, he, if, you know, if we don't vote, then we're going to lose overwhelmingly, and we're going to lose that way. And if we do vote... Um, we have to win. Um, we don't have enough numbers to win, so we're going to activate, you know, election fraud. And we're going to basically uh, cheat. And we're going to do the bots. And it's those bots that Elon Musk was looking for. Now, no matter what the result of that uh, poll was, it's pretty brilliant if you think about it. No matter what the results are, Elon Musk can do still do whatever he wants to do. He could basically say, all right, I'm going to step down. Because he probably already has a CEO waiting in the wings. More than likely, he has that. So you say, well, we were going to hire a CEO. But before we do, let's go ahead and put this poll out, get more information. 
if the, the, the poll results were legit, then what you would end up having is you would have a legitimate poll and you would develop your marketing strategy around the fact that 57% are liberal and 43% are conservative. And you would probably package your marketing to to the, the, to fit it like a glove what works best for that demographic, right? That would be reasonable. You would do that as a businessman. <clears throat> but if you got all these bots, then you don't have to abide by the uh, results of the poll because you could say, well, just like in the 2020 election or the 2022 midterms, uh, it looks like there was a lot of fraud committed by people voting no. Now that we don't want Elon Musk anymore. And if he can look at those bots, he can block all those bots. And you better believe that's what happened. And they're going to straighten up the bots. That's how he's going to beat the bots. So that'd be that. And again, you know, if he were to stay, he would say, well, I'm still going to get a CEO, but I'm going to stay. So he could do whatever he wants. He could learn about the bots. He could learn about his demographics. He could cultivate and develop his marketing strategy to better promote and advance Twitter. So for that, I give him kudos for that. But it was a strategy. People bite on that stuff and say, see, well, you got to leave now. But that's like linear thinking. They're not thinking outside of the box on that one. So there's a story about COVID. There's all kinds of stuff coming out about COVID as well. Here it says, Peter Dazak's smoke and mirrors operation has failed to predict any pandemics and has proven incapable of finding an alleged natural source of COVID-19 despite the federal government funding him tens of millions of dollars to do both. And that was according to Senator Roger Marshall. What he's really saying is you can't have it both ways. You can't, since 2014, you know, they were advancing this gain-of-function research, and they knew a lot about COVID and SARS-CoV-2. And yet they were putting all this stuff out, and then even Obama said this could be dangerous. So then what we did was no longer did we do it here in our country. We outsourced it to China. And I believe, just like I believe that the FBI and the CIA were connected with, you know, domestic terror. I also believe, in, I, I believe that, um, you know, there, there was a lot of people involved with MK Ultra, and they were psychiatrists and doctors. And we're learning more and more about this guy named Jolly West, who is basically Jack Ruby back in the JFK days, Jack Ruby's psychiatrist. It turns out that Jolly West was also connected and taught Charlie Manson how to indoctrinate his disciples or his, his subordinates to get them to kill and to, to do things. And there's been talk about that being um, in effect with Sirhan Sirhan, the guy who shot Robert Kennedy Jr. Or Robert Kennedy. Not Robert Kennedy Jr. He's still alive. Robert Kennedy. 
uh, Bobby Kennedy, Johnny, uh, John Kennedy, John Kennedy's brother. So in 68, uh, he was running for election. He was out in California and he gets shot by Sirhan Sirhan. And Sirhan can't, can't remember anything. And they think he was impacted by MK Ultra. They think Jack Ruby, just before he was to testify, uh, was impacted by this Jolly West guy who was, again, connected with Charlie Manson in terms of this mind control. And they were connected with the Pentagon. You fast forward to today, you got this COVID bioweapon. And I always said that the reason why Fauci was untouchable was because he was connected with the CIA and the Pentagon. He was outside, just out, he wasn't just at NIH. I believe that Fauci was connected with the, uh, look, Einstein helped develop the atom bomb. Einstein was a liberal that was against the atom bomb uh, and didn't see, you know, didn't like what he was doing, but did it anyway because the country asked him to do it, probably paid him to do it, you know, a lot of money, and he did it. And he, you know, it advanced research in other areas. But the thing is, is that he was a doctor connected with the Pentagon, with the Department of Defense, with Central Intelligence, with the State Department, and perhaps even the FBI. But uh, that seems to be the case still, you know, ongoing with what, what is happening. But what are the odds? And, you know, none of that was told 20 years ago. Nobody really knew about this Jolly West character and his connections with Jack Ruby, with Charlie Manson. But we're learning more and more as, you know, December 15th came and went and and Joe Biden signed a, a delay on the release of the documents. There's still thousands of documents to still be released, but yet people are digging and they're finding some documents that are proving, once again, that, you know, that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was a um, CIA asset in both Mexico and in Cuba. And then the question remains uh, to whether or not, to whether or not uh, these people, was it the cart before the horse? Or was it, uh, you know, the chicken or the egg? The issue there is, like with Frank Sturgis, who ended up being a... uh, a plumber at the Watergate break-in. So why would a Cuban sympathizer, a Castro sympathizer, so the, the, the word is, is that someone like Frank Sturgis was a Castro rebel, believed in socialism, just like Lee Harvey Oswald was, you know, Castro for Cuba kind of guy, a socialist, a radical socialist calls himself a revolutionary, sort of like Antifa. In any case, they're radically liberal, all right? And so, you know, they're, they're really super-duper Democrat, liberal. Why would they then kill a Democrat president, number one? Number two, why would they break into the DNC? So Frank Sturgis, who is a, basically in the CIA during the Bay of Pigs and during the Kennedy assassination 
and said that uh, the the CIA was involved and that um, fast forward to Watergate becomes a plumber that breaks into the DNC, a party he's probably affiliated with. And why would he do that for Nixon? Of course, he didn't. And Nixon didn't know about the break-in. But why did he do it? Because I think, just like the Russian hoax, where they infiltrated and they said Russia did it, and then they blame, they connect, tried to connect Russia with Trump, and then they said, look, Trump is dealing business with Russia. He's peeing on hookers in St. Petersburg. He's doing all kinds of bad things. And, you know, he's connected. That's, he used Russia to win the 2016 election. That was a Russian hoax. And then what they did was they embedded these stories into the media, which we're finding out now, even with Twitter today, that the FBI was perpetrating and selling stories and narratives through social media and lying to social media big tech about what was true and what wasn't, like the Hunter laptop and the censor that. So what the FBI and the CIA are doing today with big tech is exactly what they were doing with Woodward and Bernstein back in the All the President's Men Watergate scandal. Once again, committing the crime, then doing the investigation on the crime, and coming up with all kinds of crap that would impeach a president, which ended up happening with Nixon. It was a coup d'etat. It was a coup against America. And why is it then that, you know, the people that were wanting to question the CIA, whether it was John F. Kennedy, which he did, and he didn't want to get into, the, he wanted to slow down the military industrial complex, just like Eisenhower did. And he b- believed that these, uh, these dark, sh- dark governments were too powerful. And they were. And they have been. And so the biggest problem in our country, really, is about this. It's about... And so they took uh, Kennedy down. But not just Kennedy, but then they engaged in DARPA and MKUltra. And I think that that impacted Sirhan Sirhan. That certainly impacted Jack Ruby. And, uh, you know, you got to wonder what, what is going on. But the CIA has a terrible record. And why is it that the people that were uninsured, free thinkers, you could always tell. Like JFK was a pretty different kind of political candidate. But you got JFK shot down by the CIA. You got Nixon, who resigned because he was going to get impeached for a cover-up of a crime he didn't commit. And that was perpetrated by the CIA because, let's face it, Frank Sturgis was one of the plumbers and he was CIA. You got Herbert Walker Bush, who is the director of the CIA. He was uh, under Carter, controlling Carter like a puppet. And then he all of a sudden becomes vice president under Reagan. The two couldn't be further apart in their ideology. And Herbert Walker Bush's a chief advisor, when he ran against Reagan 
in the lead up to the 1980 election in the primaries was none other than Stefan Halper, who was directly connected. He was called the walrus and set up the meetings with Dear Love and Carter Page and, uh, and all those people. He was doing all that. He was also uh, trying to set things up with George Papadopoulos uh, in England and, and in Italy. Um, they were doing a lot of stuff. Stefan Halper wanted to infiltrate. Just He infiltrated the Reagan White House just like he wanted to infiltrate the Trump White House. Stefan Halper's still around. He lives in Fairfax, Virginia. And he's just an awful guy. I know several people that know him personally. The guy's around. And he's in, he's one of those spooks in Washington that people give too much credibility to. But he's a snake. And he's a bad character. And he's been working with the the intelligence community and doing all kinds of sinister plots. There's all kinds of players. But yes, Stefan Halper... Just like Kofor Black was Mitt Romney's right-hand man, and he was CIA, and they were running guns out of Afghanistan in the early millennium, and then they were working in Ukraine in the mid-millenniums. And that's why Mitt Romney doesn't want an investigation into the Bidens, because it's a uni party, and they're all working together, you see. But it's all connected to what we're seeing today. The person who bought and paid for the Russian hoax and worked with all these different players, Perkins Coey and CrowdStrike and, uh, and uh, Glenn Simpson and, um, you know, all the different organizations um, was paid for by Hillary Clinton. Well, she sat on the board of the, the Watergate Commission and fired by Jeffrey Eithman uh, because she was a liar and unethical. And so, you know, you have all these different connections. And again, it's always these liberals. But Reagan was, never forget the fact that Reagan was shot in the first 60-something days of his presidency. And a CIA director was his vice president. You know, a lot of people seem to think that Johnson knew about the coup against JFK. Well, I think that, you know, and uh, and Herbert Walker Bush was in the CIA during that time. And then you fast forward and you got Herbert Walker Bush trying to assassinate. This is me conjecturing here. Trying to assassinate Reagan. Because, again, Reagan was different. Reagan didn't play by the rules of Washington. He wanted change. And so, you know, it's very similar and eerily similar to then someone from the Watergate Commission, Hillary Clinton, you know, basically playing the same play of a uh, a false flag attempt attack uh, where Watergate was a burglary by a bunch of radical socialist CIA spooks to wage a coup against Nixon. Uh, the Russian hoax was a coup, was supposed to be a coup against Trump. Because they, again, were not supposed to get elected. And as a result, we have all this corruption. It says here, 
this is Dr. Simone Gold. She put forth a whole uh, thread. The FDA has admitted that the COVID-19 experimental vaccine is linked to blood clotting. Huh. Who knew? <clears throat> so we knew that, right? We knew that. Of course we knew that. Um, here we got this st- story from Steve Malloy. Delegates at the COP15 Biodiversity Summit in Canada made a major conservation commitment to try to halt the loss of hundreds of thousands of plants and animals due to climate change. The reality, what they're really saying, is it's not about biodiversity. It's just a giant land grab and power grab by the United Nations. So the Washington Post put that out, but Steve Malloy, you know, put it right. So Eva Vlardingerbrook says, Breaking, the European Union just introduced the first step of a personal carbon credit system. Every citizen will have to start paying for their carbon emissions in an effort to cut emissions by 55% by 2030. Do you now? Do you see now why banks and airlines, etc., were already tracking it, uh, tracking this? And then Ian Miles Shang says, coupled the insane energy tariffs, I just coupled with the insane energy tariffs, I just don't understand how anyone can deal with this. And Eva responded to that and said, people won't, and that's exactly the goal. More dependency equals more control. What also annoys the hell out of me, she said, is that they opened up a fund, $86 billion, to help the poor, the poor, help the poor, help is in quotes, with the extra costs, ignoring the fact that that's our tax dollars. We're financing our own serfdom. So I wrote a response to that, and I said... Globalist elite represent the top 20%. The bottom 20% are exploited by the elite who orchestrate wealth redistribution from the middle class, which is estimated about 60%. Upper middle will sell out to the elite, while the lower middle falls to dependency, leaving only 20% of the population in the middle middle class Voting for common sense. That's their goal. They're, they're appealing to the upper middle to come and be part of the elite. They're crushing, they're redistributing the wealth from the middle class to the impoverished and to African nations and to climate initiatives and to COVID relief. And it's crushing the middle class. We can no longer afford to live. It's causing inflation. And the biggest problem with that is that the bottom part of the middle class gives up and they can't, they can't make it. No longer is there break, they can, can they break even on a monthly basis. And they have to abandon ship and then they, they start depending on the government for relief. And it's that 20% left that can no longer win elections. That's not a power block when you're only 20%. So common sense gives way to this radical agenda. This is how the globalists see it. This is how the globalists are trying to win. So there was a really good uh, interview that this uh, that uh, Joe Rogan had 
with the guy that uh, was expe- you know telling the story about Jolly West, uh, Jack Ruby's court assigned shrink uh, was also an MK Ultra doctor. Thing I was just telling you. Okay, the information on SPF and FTX. I said SPF talked of saving the planet. Remember those audios clips we played where Sam Bankman Freed wanted to, you know. Uh, he cared about climate and he cared about COVID and he cared about animals and he cared about, you know, all the, you know, starvation and inflation. So he was like the most altruistic billionaire ever created, right? So Sam Bankman Free talked of, of saving the planet, but he knows that that requires liberal politicians to advance their globalist agenda, right? That's, that's all what they're trying to sell. That's what they're selling. That's the brochure. So I said, SBF talked of saving the planet, requiring liberal politicians to advance their globalist agenda. Donate to save Ukraine was a Ukraine National Bank FTX bait and switch money train that was always going to go off the cliff. The end game was always to rob the train then regulate CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. See, what they were doing is they always wanted to reel in crypto because it was autonomous and independent, and it was taking power and control and influence away from the governments. So FTX was to serve two purposes. Not only was it to uh, exploit donations going to Ukraine for Ukra- to save Ukraine, but that was a bait and switch. That was basically to take that money that you would willingly give to save people in Ukraine. And then you would take that money and they would take it and they would put it into the FTX Ukrainian National Bank account. And they would take that money and divvy it up to globalist politicians that were disciples of Klaus Schwab and World Economic Forum pushing the climate agenda and climate policies and COVID lockdowns and pandemic relief systems and the whole ball of wax. And they would take that money and they would get more power and influence in governments like Canada and the United States and elsewhere, all throughout Europe and in other countries as well. And that was the game that they were basically telling you to donate to Ukraine, but they were really, in essence, getting you to donate to globalist politicians that were advancing restrictions and regulations and lockdowns to control your life. And people fell for it. So again, I'm going to read this. SBF talked of saving the planet, requiring liberal politicians to advance their globalist agenda. Donate to Save Ukraine was a Ukraine National Bank FTX bait-and-switch money train that was always going off the cliff. The end game was to rob the train, then regulate CBDCs. They're going to regulate the heck out of that. And then there's another uh, tweet. It says, Nothing to see here, just Bill Gates explaining how we need to lower the population of Earth to save the planet. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about that. 
Okay, so here's one. <clears throat> Biden's second, uh, let's see. I, I, okay. Lee Zeldin says, this would top this news story in America if the administration of a republic a Republican president crooked, cooked the books like this on jobs report in the home stretch of a midterm election. So here's what happened. Biden's second quarter job numbers off by 1 million. 1 million. The job numbers were off by 1 million. Jeff Cooper's quote. Okay, so this is a guy named Jeff Cooper. Says the rifle itself, because you're going to need your guns at some point. The rifle itself has no moral stature since it has no will of its own. Naturally, it may be used by evil men for evil purposes, but there are more good men than evil. And while the latter cannot be persuaded to the path of righteousness by propaganda, they can certainly be corrected by good men with rifles. And it's true that uh, a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun. Jonathan Turley writes, Previously, media figures denied censorship was occurring. When such censorship became obvious, they denied that there was any involvement of the FBI and the government. Now that such involvement is confirmed, there are simply they are simply not covering the story. That's pretty sad too, right? That's what we get. Now, Donald Trump wrote this, Mitch McConnell has the power to get everything Republicans wanted. Yet, he's giving it all away to the Democrats. Why would he do that? The omnibus they're working on is a disaster for our country and will further destroy our economy. It is yet another total betrayal of the great voters of America. Republicans have to stay strong and wait to negotiate a proper spending bill and the debt ceiling after taking control of the House on January 3rd. See, Mitch McConnell thinks that because they they have parity in the Senate, he can get more done on his own. He can't because the House right now, he's gonna, he wants to send a bill over to the House before the new Congress. But he doesn't understand, or he's failing to understand, that the House has more leverage than the Senate will ever have right now. And that Give it to the House, and it'll it'll just stall, and it won't happen. I said, me thinks Mitch, Mitch McConnell selling out to Biden before the new Congress has something to do with his wife Elaine Chow's shipping company, Foremost Group, and shipping black market supplies around the world. And there is a report here, Elaine Chow's family business and Kentucky favoritism. So... Name Redacted says, after learning that Twitter employees at least 15 former FBI agents, I searched Facebook, what what this uh, person who calls himself Name Redacted found is alarming. Facebook currently employs at least 115 people in high-ranking positions that formerly worked at the FBI, CIA, NSA, and DSH. Sort of like the Pentagon's people working in Raytheon and Lockheed Martin and all these weapon systems companies uh, to do the same thing. It's how we have lobbyists. It's how we have endless corruption. It's uh, just absolutely absurd. I have some audio clips where you have um, Facebook execs talking about how they censor and 
and uh, it's it's quite comical. But I want to listen to this a clip from Ron Paul. Uh, he talks about the history of the FBI and how it was created to be a Gestapo-like uh, police police uh, force. Didn't have those institutions. The FBI came in uh, during the First World War, and interestingly enough, the one thing that Woodrow Wilson did, he used the FBI to spy on American citizens and actually arrest them if they disagreed with his foreign policy about going to war in Europe. And isn't it interesting how recent they used it in the Vietnam era? Democrats used it there. Republicans used the FBI to spy on a hundred different groups in this country, including the churches, who disagree with the policy in uh, Central America. It almost looks like the FBI was designed to spy on Americans who might be disagreeing uh, with policy, especially the foreign policy. So the FBI, although I don't think I could condemn everything they've ever done, because I'm sure uh, some of the investigations and investigation of crime uh, has been beneficial, but that could be accomplished through Justice Department within our states. We wouldn't reject that uh, portion of it. But I think the, the FBI has uh, kept and continues to keep a lot of records yeah, well, the FBI is very corrupt. Uh, what can you say? I have a little clip from Harmy Dillon. I want you to listen to this real quick. Harmy Dillon is going against Ronald McDaniel uh, to be the leader of the RNC. We need some significant change in the McRhinos, Mc, 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 McCarthy, McConnell, and McDaniel. Let's take a listen to Harmy Dillon. But I think setting, stepping back, the chair has had six years uh, of leadership, and in those six years, we have successively lost the White House, the Senate, and the House, and now barely uh, performed in this promised red wave. And so I think it's time to thank her for her service and move on and try something different. And that's what I offer. Uh, in my three decades of experience as a Republican election lawyer and activist, and an activist even before that, um, I have a demonstrated track record of success. And more importantly, I understand that as our electoral landscape has changed and we have more uh, ballot harvesting, early voting, and other innovations in the law, whether we like them or not, our party has not evolved at all to try to combat that. And so I feel like when we're talking about getting our voters to vote on Election Day, we're doing AOL dial-up from the 1990s, and the Democrats are in the fiber-optic era. And so what I would do is bring our party into that era. I also think that some of the failures that we've had, Maria, have to do with really poor and reactive messaging, despite the fact that we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on fancy messaging experts. Um, we've been really playing catch-up with the Democrats and letting them set the agenda. So we don't need to do that. We need to have our own clear talking points and messages that are independent of any candidate or any particular interest and really be leading and inspiring today's Republican voters who are different than the Republican voters of 20 and 30 years ago. And so if we don't change and adapt, Maria, we are simply going to die as a party and our country can't afford that. So outside the RNC, there's been a huge groundswell of support for my candidacy, including from federal elected officials. And so I feel like with six weeks left to go, we have plenty of time to message and make sure that everyone understands what's at stake here. It's, what's at stake is the future of the party. Super donor Peter Thiel uh, was interviewed recently. He said that the U.S. midterms were a depressing disaster. 
for Republicans. And I just do not understand how it is possible that the GOP hangs on by a hair of a majority in the House and loses the Senate, uh, given the fact that the reality of this agenda, the Democrats' agenda, ha has meant a fire everywhere you look that needs to be put out. Wide open border, crime spiking, inflation at 40-year highs, not to mention clear abuse of power with the FBI, CIA collusion with social media companies and the general media. So how is it possible that voters are not responding more aggressively to the GOP? Well, you're absolutely right. And we should have had a historic pickup here. And, you know, it's, it blows my mind that, uh, you know, our leadership is supporting this failed RNC leadership because, we had the opportunity to message clearly on these issues. We had the opportunity to appeal to our voters. We had the opportunity after learning from the 2020 midterms how the Democrats changed the rules and used all these new methods, ballot harvesting, early voting, and really just, you know, collecting people's ballots, not focusing on emotionally appealing to voters for Election Day. We did not do any of those things. We didn't emotionally appeal to them very well. Um, we did not have candidates that fit the districts. We allowed Democrats to pour hundreds of millions of dollars into in dark money spending into our races to define who our candidates were going to be. We had no plan to combat that. And I don't think we have a plan under the current leadership for the next few years. And that's a presidential cycle. And so unless Republicans are addicted to losing and want to continue losing, we must make changes in our leadership. And I can't vote for the leadership of the Senate or the leadership of the House, but I can vote as a member of the RNC for change leadership there. And again, this is not about a personality. This is about what we did for the last six years has led us to this disastrous place. We mm -hmm. must do something different. And I have a specific plan on how to do that. I've shared that with the members and I've been talking about it all over the place. And, you know, outside the RNC, tens of thousands of voters have contacted our members to tell them. Well, uh, you know, she uh, she she gave a great presentation there. We need new leadership. It's about six weeks away. You got to write the people over at the RNC. Go to rnc.org and uh, and find out. There's a whole list of member of voters there, and we have to make a change there. We have to get rid of the whole process of ballot manufacturing and harvesting, and there. And this open borders and these uh, illegal migrants are, are part of this ballot manufacturing system. Um, we need to stop, uh, put a stop to these ballots being sent out uh, just automatically um, because they're being collected and picked up and misused. And that's how they're getting the votes. They're not getting them with their ideas. Be sure to check out org. Make a donation if you can over at org. Also, Use Red State over at MyPillow. Red State as your promo code at MyPillow. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, buddy. <laughs>